Have you ever been to Nashville some evening? It was kind of chilly outside and the wind was starting to blow. You're walking along the sidewalk, maybe you're coming back from a theater somewhere or a concert, and you see a homeless man sitting on a piece of cardboard with his coat huddled up around his neck. And you pass by and you get close and just almost automatically you speed up. And the last thing you want to do is look in his eyes. Just walking by there makes you feel uncomfortable. And if you're with someone, automatically the conversation is stopped. You just feel uncomfortable. You feel awkward. Or maybe you're watching TV and CNN comes on and they show something going on somewhere in the world and you see suffering in the face. You see children starving. Or you see genocide happening. Or you see something that just, just in the In the pit of your gut, it just hurts. In the pit of your gut, you know this is not right. In the pit of your gut, you just say, this this is not what God wanted. God sees those things as well. And when he sees them, his heart breaks. His heart breaks when he sees widows and orphans. His heart breaks when he sees a man and his family and they don't have enough food to eat and they go to bed hungry. Not once, not twice, but regularly. Those kinds of images should break our heart because they break God's heart. In the book of Deuteronomy, we learn that God He loves, he he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widows. And he loves the foreigners, giving them food and clothing. Our God, when he looks down and he sees man in a pitiful state, he cries. And we as God's people should cry as well. But you know, there's a scene that breaks God's heart even more. And that's when he looks down and he looks in your eyes and he looks into the heart and he sees that you are lonely. And he sees that you are sad. And he sees that you don't have any hope. He sees that you're without peace. He sees a life that is messed up. A life that that wants to kill itself, end itself, because things just aren't what they should be. I know in Africa, we see many scenes like that. To see the man or woman wailing as they bury 
their child. Not crying, not sniffling, but wailing. You know what wailing is? Wailing is a cry that shows that they have no hope. Are people that are so afraid when nightfall comes that they get in their house and they close the windows. Even though it's hot with a tin roof, they close the windows because they're afraid the spirits are going to come in. Or they tie something around the wrist of their little baby to ward off the evil spirits because they think the evil spirits are going to come and and eat the child from the inside out. That is spiritual power. There's material poverty and that wrenches our hearts. But there's spiritual poverty that should wrench our hearts, yea, even more. Because God himself, God himself wants to save these people. He wants to give them hope. He wants to give them something that is beautiful. Jesus was sent down by his Father. And Jesus became... Our brother. He became one of us. He became a human being. So that he could draw close to these hurting people. So that he could do something about this poverty. Both the material and the spiritual poverty. And we as the body of Christ. Should have the same heart strings in our heart. We should have the same pain in our heart. When we see that poverty. Jesus, when he looked at Jerusalem, he wanted to cry and he said, How many times have I tried to bring you in? How many times have I helped, tried to help you? I wanted to do something so bad. We know what Jesus did. Left his home in heaven, came down on the earth, was even willing to die on the cross so that he could be our brother. And being in human form, he might offer his life as a sacrifice for the lost people in the world. Jesus did all of that. But I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something that at first may shock you. At first you may think I'm a heretic in saying it. But I'm going to say it anyway because we need to understand it. And that is all that Jesus Christ did. All the pain on the cross that he suffered. All the blood that he shed. Was not enough. It was not enough. To save the lost. Of this world. A missionary from the first century whose name was Paul wrote these words in Colossians chapter 1 verse 24. He says, I rejoice in what was suffered for you. And no doubt he was thinking about this incredible, beautiful self-sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He says, I rejoice in what was suffered for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still Lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking 
in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church. You see, Jesus Christ, he died on that cross. He made that sacrifice. He did all of that for this man over here, this hurting, suffering, poor man, without hope, without life, without salvation, without peace. He did all of that for him. But if we do not tell him about what Jesus did, it doesn't help him at all. Obviously, the only thing that can save us is the blood of Jesus Christ. Obviously, the only thing that can save us is the blood of Jesus Christ. Your works cannot save you. A preacher cannot save you. A church cannot save you. The only thing that can save you is the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's the only thing that can save this poor man in despair. But if this poor man in despair does not know about Jesus Christ, because I have not told him, then he will die in his sins. And that is exactly what Paul meant when he said, I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is his church. Read on to the next verse. I have become its servant, that is, the servant of the church. Not this church, but the church to be, the people that God wants to save, the people that God is calling to be saved. Paul says, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now is disclosed. It is our privilege. It is our noble task to tell the world what Jesus has done for them. It is our beautiful privilege to be able to reach down to the poor and give them something to eat. Something that will not only fill their body, but something that will fill their soul. That is our privilege. That is our joy. That is our commission from God. And as we do that, then the battle that Jesus began for the souls of these people is won. That mystery has to be unveiled to the people in the world. There are in this world, as we speak tonight, 5,306 language groups. 5,306 language groups out of the 6,912 languages that exist in the world. 5,306 of them. English is one. 
French is two. Finnish is three. 5,306 language groups do not know about that mystery. That mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations is still hidden to them. They don't know about it. They don't have a Bible in which they can read about it. 5,306 language groups in the world are still in the darkness. I believe that Jesus is telling us Flowers on my tomb are nice, but they don't just cut it. You see, I died on the cross so that all men could be saved. And if you, my followers, you, my body, if you don't complete this task that I began, then it will not be finished. I hear Jesus crying out to his church, telling us to move out of our comfort zone telling us to not be satisfied with just going to church and playing religion, but going the second mile, going the third mile, giving of ourselves so that the world can hear about the salvation that he wants to give them. This, brothers and sisters, is what being church is all about. Reaching down and doing something to help those language groups, those people groups, all of those people that don't know about Jesus. So what does it take to reach these 5,306 people? How do you go about helping them to know about Jesus? Well, the first thing you do is just what Jesus did. You live among them. Isn't that beautiful that Jesus, because he wanted to help us, because he wanted to reach out to us, he got close enough to us so that he could touch us. And if we want to help the world out there, then we've got to get close enough to them to touch them. We can't do it from our living room. We have to live among them, become one of them. We have to learn their language Now, this is kind of a trick for 5,306 language groups that I'm talking about because their language hasn't even been written down. You can't go buy the dictionary in 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 the bookstore before you get on the plane. It just doesn't exist. These are unwritten languages. Millions of people. We have to learn that language because communication is basic. How are you going to share the gospel with someone if you can't talk to them? You can't grunt it. You can't do a pantomime kind of thing. That doesn't cut it. We're talking about changing people's lives, changing their whole worldview. How do you do that without getting into their mind, getting into their lives, getting into their culture, learning their language? Just like Jesus learned Aramaic. And then you have to write that language down. Just like God did. You know, God thought this was a wise thing. So wise that on the Mount Sinai, what did he do? With his finger, he wrote the Ten Commandments. And so we too, like you see up here, have to write an unwritten language and write it down so that we can then 
translate. Is this going to work? Translate the Bible into their language. Translate the Bible into their language. Give them the word of God. Do you realize that you guys could do this? Do you realize, you guys especially, do you realize that you could do this? I mean, you could translate somebody a Bible? You could do that. I'm telling you, you can do it. I know lots of people who have and who are in the process of doing it. And there's probably a lot of other people in the other parts of the auditorium that could do this. If God was truly leading you in that direction, He would empower you. He would give you that ability to give them, to translate the Word of God in their language. But then they would need need to know how to read it. So you would have to teach them how to read their own language. Teach them, they already know their language, but they don't know how to read it. So once you translate the scriptures in it, and it's in a nice little book on the table, it still doesn't do them any good until you teach them how to read that word. And that too needs to be done. And then you need to sit down with them. Sit down. You don't have to stand up and preach. You don't have to do this on radio. You just sit down with these people under the mango tree and you open the book at chapter 1 and you say, let me just show you what God is telling you. And you just read it to them. And you talk about what it means. And you share with them how God has changed your life through those words, through those truths. And this is what it takes to reach those people. This is what it takes to bring those people out of the darkness and into the light. Tell me that I wasn't smart enough. Tell me that I wasn't rich enough. Tell me, tell me whatever you want to tell me. But don't tell me that I didn't care. Don't tell me that I didn't try. Because you see, that is the one thing that Jesus cannot accept. You remember the story where the people came to Jesus on the judgment day, on the judgment scene. And Jesus said, depart from me, you who are cursed. I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. You did not do for me. He was lost and in despair and at the, his rope's end. And you didn't reach out and do something for him. You didn't go out and, and sit by him. And you didn't go out and, and learn his problems and learn his, his language and learn his situation. And then give him my message, my message that can resolve his problems. Why didn't you do this? Don't you know that that was my brother? That was my brother and you left him there. Depart from me. You are cursed. 
Oh, what strong language from a loving God. What strong language from a loving God. But I'll tell you, if you want to see me mad, you touch my child. You touch my child. You mess with my wife. You mess with my little sister. And I will get mad. You know why? Because I love them. And I don't want to see them hurt. And I don't want to see them suffer. And so if you are able to help them and you don't, can't you understand why God would get a little upset? God wants us to reach out. Reach out to the people around us. It is a spiritual battle. And if we don't reach out, Satan will win. Some great man once said, for evil to prevail, all good men have to do is nothing. And evil will win. Evil will win. If the body of Christ does not reach out, then Satan will win. God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. Realize that in our lives, if we take our faith seriously, then we need to do something. That faith, that faith that brings salvation, that faith that brings abundant life, that faith that brings joy into the life of a person, that comes from hearing the message. And everyone who hears that message and then they call out on the name of the Lord, they will be saved. But how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? Brothers and sisters, that is divine logic. That is divine logic. God has done what needed to be done. He sent His Son. Jesus became human. He was willing to die on the cross. The next step is that we need to tell people what God and Jesus have done. Share that beautiful message with them. Show that life to them. And lead them into the fold of God. That's what is left to do. And that is our job. Jesus hung on the cross. 6,912 language groups were watching him die. And Jesus said, Father, Father, forgive them. Forgive these people. I have finished. I have given my life. I have paid the debt for their sins. And 438 of those language groups said, Ah, yes, 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 that is the Messiah. We have read about him in our Bibles. We have the Bible and we have read about the Messiah. 1,168 of those language groups said, yes, that's Jesus. Yeah, that's Jesus. We've read about him in our New Testaments. 
and 5,306 of them said, what is he saying? We don't understand. What is he saying? We don't understand. May God help us to see those people in the same way that he sees them. May God help us so that our heartstrings will be pulled when we see our buddy, when we see our coworker, when we see our neighbor that doesn't know about the truth that will set him free from his bondage. May God do something in your heart. May God do something in your heart so that you will think about those 5,306 language groups that don't have the Bible. And may God move you in some way. May God, first of all, move you to your knees so that you will pray for these people and truly care for them and truly want to do something to help. That's where we need to begin, by praying for them. Pray for them until you feel God's love in you toward them. And God will help you to know how to reach out to that homeless person in Nashville or to your friend who is all messed up and doesn't know what to do in life. God will show you what to do if you want to embark upon this adventure of of going overseas and working with, with an unreached people group that knows nothing about Jesus. God will enable you to do that because, you see, that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to share those ancient words because those are words that give life. Jesus said at the end of the Gospel of John, I did many other miracles, but these are written down so that you can believe in me. And if you believe in me, you will have life. This isn't about a religious debate. It's about giving people the life that God wants to give them. I think of Jesus Christ sitting under a tree on a rock rubbing his hands where the scars were. And I see a Man with a long robe and white beard come up behind Jesus and put his hand on his shoulder and say, Son, you're all pensive. You're all, what's going on? What are you thinking about? Jesus is looking out over the sheep in the valley. And he says to his father, Do you think they will do it? Do you think that my sheep will go out and find the other sheep? Do you think they'll give up, move out of their comfort zone, and go help those others that that are lost? And I can just imagine Jesus looking up to God with a tear in his eye, asking this question. And what I see in my mind's eye is I see God smiling and shaking his head 
and saying, yes, son. Yes, son, they'll do it. I know they will. They'll do it. I know they will. You are the body of Christ. You are the feet, you are the hands of Jesus Christ. You are the mouth of Jesus Christ. God knows that you will do it. That you will be faithful. That you will pray for the lost. That you'll reach out to the poor. You'll move beyond your comfort zone and you'll do something. You'll give some money. You'll give a kind word. You'll sit down with them and read the Bible to them. God knows that you will do it. Because you are his people. And he has called you to do that. By his grace, we will do it. God in heaven, we thank you. This is not some huge task that you have given us and left us alone. God, you have called us to reach out to the world and to do whatever it takes to give every man and woman on this planet an opportunity to be in your family, an opportunity to know your joy, to know your love, to know your forgiveness. God, we know that is your heart. We know that is what you want, and we know that you are transferring that same desire to us, your church, your body, and, and you are empowering us, enabling us to do that, to move mountains so that every person on the face of this earth can hear what you have done for them, so that every poor person in this county will see a Christian reaching out to him or her and helping them up and then sharing with them something that's even more important than a hot meal or a warm bed. Oh God in heaven, this is your mission. It is not our agenda. And you are asking us to be a part of this. And God, I have tried through these feeble words to lay that request out to these people. And God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, I ask you to help this church to be the brightest light it can be. I pray, dear God, that you would help this Mount Juliet Church of Christ to truly be your, your, your mouthpiece, to truly be your ambassador, to reach out to their community, to reach out to the whole county, to reach out to the whole state, yea, even the whole world, oh God. I pray that you will enable this church to do great and mighty things, to share your message of love and your message of forgiveness, your truth. I pray for them, God. I ask you to help them in this process. Help us all, dear God, so that the people can know about you.
In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. There's one more thing about evangelism. And that is, if you don't want to do it, if something isn't burning inside of you, (laughs) then probably it's best that you not. You see, we cannot share with others what we do not have. If you have not known the salvation of God, if you have not known the transformation of God, then then what are you going to tell the other people? What do you have to give? And that's why, in reality, we need to start right where we're at. And we're saying, we need to ask ourselves, am I right with God? Is God living in me? Have I opened my door to God to let him live in me? Have I come to God and asked him to take away my sins through the blood of Jesus Christ? Wash me in the waters of baptism so that I can be his child and live the abundant life. Have I done that? Am I walking with God? Am I experiencing the joy? If you don't know that joy, then I guarantee you there's a lot of people here tonight that would love to introduce you to that joy. There's a lot of people here tonight that would like to help you so that you could become a child of God and taste the joys of a transformed life. Or maybe you are a Christian, but you know, life gets really hard sometimes. And sometimes things are tough. And you need people to come around you and pray for you and ask, to, and ask them to help you. And we want to help you tonight. If you're struggling, you know, this isn't some, I'm a big sinner. You know, this is just saying, hey, I'm hurting, I'm struggling, I'm having a problem. Could you pray for me? Could you help me? I want to do better. This church is willing to do that. That's what God wants us to do, to reach out to each other. So if there's any way tonight that we can help you, that we can reach out to you and help you in your spiritual walk with the Lord, then that's what we want to do, and we're going to stand up and sing the invitation song. And you come right down if there's any way that we can help you.